Back in 1990, Professor Joseph Nye, a professor here at the Kennedy School and former guest on this program, coined the phrase soft power, that is, the ability for a country to influence other nations without military action or economic sanctions, relying instead on values and culture. One of the United States' largest exports is culture. Some have speculated that the Beatles did as much to bring down the Soviet Union as did the arms race. But none of that would be possible without the underlying Western values of freedom of expression. Over the last two years, the threat of terrorism has reared its head like never before. The rise of Daesh, also known as ISIS, has led to small-scale attacks across the Western world from Fort Hood to Paris to San Bernardino. But while calls for military action against Daesh in Syria have grown stronger, the real threat seems to be the group's ability to inspire followers to commit violence through slickly produced videos, online magazines, and social media. So how does the West fight back? Perhaps we should heed Professor Nye's advice, quote, the best propaganda is not propaganda. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes or elsewhere by visiting hkspolicycast.org. You can also find us every week in Boston Globe Opinion and on Twitter at PolicyCast. Our guest today is David Anser, who recently stepped down as the head of Voice of America and is currently a fall 2015 Joan Shorenstein Fellow at the Kennedy School's Shorenstein Center. David, thanks so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Matt. It's nice to be here. So I think it's difficult for Americans to completely understand the size and scope of what Voice of America is and what it does. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the Voice of America mission? Yeah, well, as you say, uh, uh, Voice of America is the it's the state broadcaster of the United States, but it's not on the air in the United States. So most of the taxpayers who pay for it don't even realize it's there. Uh, But it is, in fact, one of the largest and most influential media organizations in the world. It reaches 188 million people a week. Um, That's 40% up from four years ago. And it reaches them on everything from uh, old-fashioned shortwave radio to uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, every, in fact, every platform known to man. And men keep inventing new ones. (laughs) So uh, uh, VOA is is a very important voice for America. But what it does is basically export the First Amendment. It exports the concept of honest journalism. And by law, uh, it's supposed to be uh, done with the goals of objectivity and balance and comprehensiveness. It is not supposed to be a spokesman for the administration of the day. Now, that seems to be kind of a difficult balance to strike, especially given that it is, in the end, funded by the U.S. government. There are a lot of examples out there of news agencies supported by governments um, that don't have objectivity as part of their mission. Russia Today is an example, CCTV in China. How is it that VOA kind of separates itself from that pack? You know, uh, there were battles... VOA was founded in 1942. Its first language was German. Uh, and there were battles over the soul of VOA, whether it should be a, uh, a propaganda voice or a journalistic voice, right from the start. In 1976, there was a law passed uh, after there had been battles with the Nixon White House over coverage of Vietnam and Watergate, mm-hmm. um, saying that, that VOA should by law be you know, objective, balanced, and not a spokesman, mm-hmm. not a propaganda voice. Yet there are still debates, and there are still attempts, even in recent years and months, to turn VOA into more of a, uh, an advocacy role. And some people argue that in the digital age, um, there's such a 
cacophony of voices out there, the only way to cut through the sort of the fog is to have a strong opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't believe so. And one of the things I've been doing here at Harvard is looking at the numbers. Um, compare the old model that VOA was founded to emulate, the BBC World Service. Compare the kind of audience that that kind of service pulls with, say, you mentioned them, an RT or a CCTV, or for that matter, Al Jazeera Arabic, mm -hmm. which has on, at times been quite an advocate for um, the government that owns it. Um, if you compare the numbers, it's not even a close call. Uh, the BBC has a, an audience of 300 million people and a target of getting to half a billion in the next few years mm. um, and every reason to think they may reach it. Uh, and VOA has this very strong audience as well. But for example, if you look at RT in the United States, uh, it doesn't even have a Nielsen rating, which means it doesn't have 30,000 households watching it. Uh, if you look at CCTV in, say, Africa and in Kenya, where they have put a lot of effort in and they put a lot of money and they have a big bureau and hired a lot of Kenyan talent for their television, mm -hmm. um, the figures I saw for 2013, they had 2% of the audience mm -hmm. as compared to substantially higher numbers for BBC, CNN, and others. Mm -hmm. So I think not only is it better to, to go for the truth and to do old-fashioned journalism on the most modern possible platforms, but I also think it's, it makes more sense. It reaches more people. For someone who is, say, a young uh, Muslim who might have some sympathies towards the Daesh cause, who might be susceptible to being led down that path, are they going to listen to an organization called Voice of America? Is that something that they're going to be open to? Well, I have some views about what we ought to do about ISIS, uh, which I can get into if you're interested. But, but uh, Voice of America doesn't have an Arabic service. Mm -hmm. um, a decade or so ago, Congress decided to cut that off, give it to something called the Middle East Broadcasting Network. And so out in Springfield, Virginia, there's Al-Hura and Al-Sawa, which are the radio and television organizations led by MBN. Um, they do have an audience in the, in the Arab world, but they are frankly going head to head with Al Jazeera, Al Arabiya, and many others, and it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's tough. So uh, I don't think they are, you know, by themselves going to make a huge dent in the, in the ISIS problem. Right. You mentioned Al Jazeera, um, Al Jazeera Arabic. Of course, there is also Al Jazeera America who, that has mm -hmm. been here. I can't, I can't remember the date that they started, mm -hmm. um, but they've had a tremendous amount of difficulty getting a foothold with American audiences. Um, Al Jazeera Arabic, of course, has had that advo advocacy role, but the American version has supposedly tried to remain credible and, right. and uh, you know, unbiased. Um, I, I imagine the United States faces that same trouble when it, say, sets up in Indonesia or Iran or, you know, elsewhere. Is that a similar experience? Well, you mentioned two countries. Let me tell you about them. Sure. In Indonesia, uh, Voice of America is on eight out of 11 of the major radio and television networks in the country. Um, and it, uh, the model we're using there, I say we, when I used to be there, um, the model they use there at VOA is what, what's called the affiliate model. So what they do is they reach out to stations and say, look, you seem to be doing pretty successful. You're, it's a mature market. You have a good-sized audience, and, and your audience appreciates what you do. But you don't cover the United States very much. 
um, would you like us to help you with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and to cover international news and news of, of the relationship between Indonesia and the United States or U.S. policy towards Asia, that sort of thing. And uh, most of our people we've gone to and offered that have said, yes, please, we would like that. So, as I say, we have a tremendous audience now in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Iran is a, a tougher nut. Uh, we call that a denied area, um, where the government tries to keep its people ignorant um, so that they can be more easily controlled. Uh, and what in that circumstance the OA does, as does the BBC World Service, is we do um, a satellite television news broadcast. Although the dishes needed to listen to, to watch that broadcast are illegal in Iran, approximately a third of the country has them anyway, and almost a quarter of the country watches at least one VOA television show every week. So we have huge reach inside Iran, despite the fact the government doesn't want us to. Mm-hmm. Um, Iran's a, an un, a, you know, it's a country that's, that's, been, that's seen itself as, the government has seen itself as an enemy of the United States for all these years. Of course, there is now the nu- nuclear deal, which kind of changes the flavor a bit, but still great suspicion between the two. But um, I would say to you that pr- from my work at VOA, it's clear to me that Iran, the people of Iran, are fascinated by the United States. They want to be closer to it. Mm-hmm. And when they get up in the morning and have coffee, they want to know what's Washington saying about us. Mm-hmm. So they get it from VOA. So Voice of America is obviously, as you've said, an unbiased news source, but it is also a tool. It, as, as you've also said, it exports the First Amendment. Um, do you see it in line with other tools that the State Department uses uh, in actively seeking out uh, partnerships around the world? Do you see it as something in competition with those other tools, like you know, overt propaganda, for instance? No. Um, I, I think it's a separate category. I mean, w- one of the most powerful values that this country is founded upon is the concept of freedom of speech, as you mentioned at the beginning. Um, y- but you have to really mean it. In other words, VOA, given the charter that it has from, from Congress and from signed by President Ford, you know, tells the, the news about America warts and all. Uh, VOA covered the Abu Ghraib scandal, covered the revelations of Edward Snowden about NSA surveillance. Uh, it covered the uh, protests in Ferguson, Missouri about the police killings of young African-American men. So it covers things that are not necessarily uh, positive or pleasant about our own country. But each time VOA does that, in my view, it's like a civics lesson. It's telling people who live in other countries, this is how a free country deals with its problems, openly. We talk about them. Sure, we make mistakes. And sure, we're very, very imperfect. But we talk about them. And over a period of time, we generally come to a better outcome. So. I think that being as truthful as possible about your own country especially, but obviously in general, builds credibility with audiences and makes friends for our values, if you will, in a way that's tremendously powerful. And you say tool. You can call it a tool, yes. Now, public diplomacy. I was also head of public diplomacy at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan for a year and a half. And I was on the other side of the firewall between journalists and policymakers when I was doing that for sure. Um, And I was doing things to try to advocate for my country, spin for my country, if you will, and I'm Mm -hmm. not ashamed of it. That's a different kind of work. It needs to be done, but that's not what Voice of America does. 
do you think that Voice of America is something that should be expanded upon, or is the current work that is being done uh, sufficient to you know achieve whatever the goals are? I think the budget is woefully small, 212 million. When you're reaching 188 million people for 212 million, you're getting a heck of a bargain. Um, but with not that much more money, we could reach a lot more people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many places in the world where VOA makes a difference. It saves lives sometimes during droughts or famines or disasters in Africa. Sometimes VOA has been able to guide people to safety. Uh, tell people where Boko Haram's attacking and where it's not in northern Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really a source for, for, um, for, that's good for mankind, but mm-hmm. also that gives America a good image because we're spending the money on doing this for people. Um, Those 188 million I would do people, more of it. <laughs> I would do a lot more of it if I could. The 188 million that you just mentioned, can you give a sense geographically where they're centered? I mean, where are Voice of America's efforts really focused? Uh, Voice of America has over 45 language services. Um, as I mentioned, it has you know, huge audiences in places like Iran, uh, all over Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, our audience in Latin America has skyrocketed up in the last four years. It's gone from about 3 million to well over 35 million. Um, we've got audiences in a lot of places. The decisions about where we broadcast and how much money we have to broadcast in that place are, I think, rightfully made by policymakers, by by members of Congress and by the president and his administration. Mm-hmm. So how much we're going to spend in Mali in the wake of a coup, of an attempt by Islamists to come south, that's a decision that policymakers make. How we do it, what we do, and what's said, that's for media professionals and journalists to figure out. If the State Department is spending money on propaganda, out, outright propaganda right now to combat something like ISIS. Do you think that that money would be better spent on something like Voice of America where the, out, the output is, you know, unbiased? Well, here's what I think, really. Uh, our country takes hard power very seriously. We fund it very well. We're very proud of our military with good reason. Um, and, uh, and I agree that that's very important. But the budgets and the a- attention are out of balance. And I think Joe Nye, who you mentioned at the beginning, would say the same. Uh, a country that wants to really have an impact around the world and help and, and convince people of, its, of the rightness of its views should do more than just have hard power. We should spend more money and time on soft power. And that includes journalism, yes, funding journalism of the kind I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but also all sorts of other things, exchange programs, Fulbright scholarships, bringing bringing young foreigners here to to study at Harvard, uh, and then they go home again, and who knows what happens. Some of them become heads of state. Some of them become uh, innovators or work at the World Bank and make a difference in different kinds of problems. Some of them deal with climate issues in their countries that they came from. Mm -hmm. Um, They do important work that uh, is useful for the United States as well as for the world. So I think we should uh, spend more money and more attention on the whole subject of soft power, the various kinds of soft power. Soft power, of course, is something a country has. It's not something you can buy. It's not something a government can make. But a government can, through its policies, target that, that impact or highlight it in ways that make it have more impact in those particular places. We should do more of that. When you think of threats like Daesh, do you think Voice of America is the way to combat them? One of the ways. 
Um, but I do think if we're talking about Daesh, uh, you know, the State Department has a $5.8 million program counter-messaging on the Internet and in chat rooms and on websites mm -hmm. against the online recruiters for ISIS. I mean, $5.8 million doesn't buy, you know, doesn't buy paper for, for more than a week for the government. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and we should have a really well-funded, robust program where every time an ISIS recruiter is, is online somewhere, they're being tracked and followed and answered in the face mm -hmm. of whoever they're trying to reach. Um, that's important. And that should be taken more seriously than it has been up till now. Mm -hmm. Um, similarly, uh, yeah, I think I think honest journalism is a powerful thing, and uh, I'd like to see more of that as well. Voice of America, obviously, I think has seen smaller budgets over the last uh, at least several budget cycles, mm -hmm. um, but there has been some discussion of its usefulness uh, in the even in the 2016 presidential race. Uh, John Kasich, uh, you wrote about how he came out and said that Voice of America should be a tool to, uh, you know, speak about Judeo-Christian values. Those were his words. <laughs> you did not like that particular... Well, uh, well I was pleased uh, to see a presidential candidate advocating for a, uh, a, a re, uh, retooled VOA, a strong... Mm -hmm. He obviously sees the importance of, of broadcasting. But uh, if, if it ever is, has instructions to sort of export Christian or Jewish values, um, it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. Most of the world is is neither, and uh, much a better much better way to think about values. And by the way, I believe in them. Um, I mean, I don't. A better way to think about values is that there are certain universal human values. Um, I, I, if, if I can just take indulge our our listeners for one second, there was there's a wonderful quote from a from a fellow who who I uh, who I know, who uh, Adam Clayton Powell III former executive of CBS and NPR and other places. And, and he said, to state the obvious, not everything's true. Some things are provably false. Not everything's equivalent. Some things are repulsive to humanity. Um, seizing neighboring countries' territory by force is not just another ideology. Uh, shooting down a civilian airliners is not just another point of view. And jailing political opponents in Havana or Caracas is not just an alternative lifestyle. Mass enslavement of women and girls by ISIS is not just another way of exercising power. Um, these are... Uh, these are despicable practices that by any objective uh, uh, standard are unacceptable and which civilized people everywhere can and do condemn and good journalists identify and condemn also. So, uh, you know, sometimes journalists say, well, I'm neutral. Well, a journalist who's neutral is not very interesting. But I do think there are some universal human values that have to be behind good journalism and that, that are behind VOA's journalism, along with that of many other good organizations. Well, David Enser, Fall 2015 Joan Shorenstein Fellow, former head of Voice of America, thanks so much for being on PolicyCast today. Great pleasure. Thank David's you. David's report, titled Exporting the First Amendment, will be available in mid to late December on the Shorenstein Center website. We'll have a link in the show notes. HKS PolicyCast is produced by Matt Cadwallader and Molly Lanzarota, photography by Tatiana Johnson. Special thanks to those who help get us out there every week, including Ben Sharbaugh at Harvard, as well as Ellen Clegg and Nicole Hernandez at the Boston Globe. And to you for listening in. See you next week. You've been listening to the Harvard Kennedy School PolicyCast.
You can subscribe to PolicyCast on iTunes, Stitcher, and elsewhere by visiting hkspolicycast.org. And let us know what you think on Twitter 